Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here is Matt Cabry. So welcome to Growing Greater Philadelphia. We're really thrilled to be joined today by Russ Stark. He's the CEO of Think Company. Welcome, Russ. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about uh, what is Think Company. Sure. So Think Company is an experience design company, and that's a little broad. I get it. Um, So when people usually think of us initially, it's about anything digital. So any kind of digital screen, uh, mobile apps, you know, websites, yes, but more like web applications. And we tend to focus more on you know, the very complex transactional type systems that you might interact with. So inventory systems, ordering systems, internal business systems, that kind of stuff. But really, it's all in service of optimal customer experiences and employee experiences. That's what people really hire us for. And the digital tools are just one aspect of it. So that tends to be how we start working with people. And then when they see how we do the work that we do, then they realize that we can be involved in broader strategy conversations around what's the optimal customer experience? What's the optimal employee experience for the folks in our ecosystem? Share with us the unique name. There has to be a nice story around Think Company. (laughs) Yeah, so... Again, you know, I would, I would love to say that we thought that it should be that from day one. Actually, the company was originally founded. The code name for it before we started the company was Brownstone. And the reason why was we said, you know, someday if we, if we start our own company, we should not be in a cube farm. We should be in a Brownstone where we can open the windows. And then it became this thing. Someday when we do Brownstone. Uh, and so the initial, the initial name of the company was Brownstone Creative Partners. And, uh, and then when we needed a website, uh, one of our co-founders just really quickly was typing in different things and Think Brownstone was available. So we took that. We were called Think Brownstone for the first nine years of our existence. And, uh, you know, over that period of time, we realized that that was kind of colloquial and people liked the story. But as we started to play on more of the national and international stage, it didn't make a lot of sense. People who weren't on the coasts didn't know what a brownstone was. And, you know, so uh, so finally we got to the point where we said we need something a little a little sharper. And people were referring to us as the think people anyway or the thinkers. So then we just gravitated toward Think Company, and we were really happy that it was available, and that's what we're called. Yeah, that, that's nice. That's a nice story, and I love how you kind of have evolved based yeah. on uh, how the company has evolved as well. And, uh, yeah. and listen to your audience, listen to your community around, you know, not everybody may necessarily identify with a brownstone, for example. That's right. And pretty much everything about who we are and how we work is about iteration and continuous improvement. So, you know, we do that in our work, and we've done that on ourselves. And you've had the privilege to uh, be part of the team uh, really since its early days, going back to 2007-type time frame, only recently uh, becoming the CEO of Think Company. But talk with us a little bit about those early days and the the time you and your team spent um, creating this vision and then ultimately implementing this vision. Sure. Yeah. So the co-founders and I go back to 2000, and we worked together at a a number of companies before uh, Think Brownstone and then Think Company started. So... Um, we really started to collect this list of, yeah, if we, we could do this better, shouldn't this be done this way? And that was in response to how we thought companies could service their clients and how they could treat their employees. And so, you know, we kind of daydreamed about the kind of company we would want to build. And then as of 2007, it was, yeah, why don't we actually do this? And, and one of our co-founders, uh, Brian McIntyre, had the opportunity to start the team. So he and Carl White, uh, they started the company. And then uh, about two months later, I joined. And, you know, it really, 
the company was started as a response to and remains a response to things that we thought could be done better uh, in all the observation that we did out there, uh, you know, now at competitors, but also just, just business in general. And that's kind of how it happened. And um, and I want to go back to those early days where, um, you know, it was Carl and Brian. That's right. And you joined shortly after yep. kind of the, the ink was drying, if you will, That's at least right. on the sign. That's right. Um, what was kind of the early thinking of this is what we want our company to be? Yeah. So initially it was the three of us and we were in a windowless room up in a storage closet up at one of our clients in Horsham. And they, they gave us that space and we were pretty much focused just on them for the better part of the, you know, the first few years of the company. Um, and we did kick around, you know, we were so happy, first of all, to be doing it ourselves, doing it our way. And the original thought was that it would be just kind of a lifestyle thing. But it wasn't too long until we were about five, six people that other people started asking for us and wanted us to, to work for them. And, and we had to make the decision of, are we gonna really make a run at this or, or are we gonna keep it small and boutique? And we thought we had something special then, and we think we have something special now. And we'd said, you know what? I mean, you know, we're still relatively young, and we've got something here, and we can do this as well as anybody else can. Why don't we give it a shot? So that was kind of when we pulled out the stops and, and, and made a run at it, and then really said, it started to draw the vision for what we wanted to accomplish. And it has been pretty amazing, you know, in the early days when it still was three, four or five of us in that little room. And we started telling people, this is what we want to do with this. It was like, you know, a pat on the shoulder. Oh, that sounds that's that's sweet, guys. Yeah, right. Um, but we have pulled it off. Uh, it's been an absolutely amazing ride. But that that is all really in debt to the folks that we've hired. I mean, because we're a services company. That's all we are is the people that make up Think Company. Sounds like you did more than just pull it off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to go back to this question of uh, you're sitting around your kitchen table, mm -hmm. friends and family, and they say, um, so, Russ, what is it that you guys do again? Yeah. H how do you describe that for what I would call Aunt Betty or Uncle Charlie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Without them saying, so you're in computers. Uh, that's how they used to say it. But, yeah, I mean, what we are is, uh, you know, at our core, we're a digital experience design company. So anything that has a screen, anything that has a digital interaction, which is now extending into, you know, the screen on your refrigerator or things like that, you know, any place that has a digital interface, we design those interfaces. And people sometimes jump to, well, do you do websites? And the answer is yes, we can and we do. But we tend to lean a little more towards, you know, we don't just put a fresh coat of paint on somebody's website. It's if, if a website isn't doing something that people want it to do, if it's not achieving its purpose, and if it has, you know, a lot of interaction and transaction that needs to take place and people are confused by it, that's a think company problem. That's when you bring us in. It's when something isn't working properly, you want to get so far out in front of the competition that they're scratching their head for the next five years. That's think company. Got you. It's we have a problem and you're here to help come up with a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if you pull the lens out, it really tends to be more things like, you know, well, we really want to ramp up innovation in terms of how we service our customers. We want to give them the absolute best experience so that they never want to go somewhere else. That's really what people are hiring us for. And the digital uh, assets are, are a part of that because in 2018, an optimal experience is going to be a mix of digital and analog. It just is. Um, so Digital is when people tend to think of us first, but really it's optimal experiences across all of those things. And, and the digital is just one piece. Reflecting back on those early days, going mm -hmm. back to 2007 type timeframe, is there a project that stands out for you or two 
that causes you to say, wow, I'm really proud of not only my team, but the outcome that we were able to deliver on behalf of this uh, client? Yeah, I mean, it, it may sound like a bit of a cop-out, but I can't think of too many that I don't feel that way about just because, you know, the folks who tend to work with us tend to be the people that you know, early on they used to joke that we were the A-team. It was like when they didn't know where else to turn and they had a big problem, if they could find us, we could solve the problem, you know. Um, so that included, you know, in the early days, the project that really got us launched was doing a, a medical information portal for doctors. And that was the first time that we were able to show the world, listen, the things that you think doctors want are not what they want. And all it takes is some objective research with these folks to really pin down who they are. And they don't care about you know, what you can and can't do because of the way your organization is structured or the way you're regulated. They don't care. They, they are who they are. They're going to get this information one way or another. There are certain things they want from you, certain things they don't. How can we get around all of these constraints and give them what they want? And I think, you know, one of the things that we were most proud of was the first time that we kind of prototyped something out. You know, I'll just put that in front of doctors. And they said, wow, this is the first time that you've actually put something in front of us. That is exactly what we've asked for. You're not showing me pictures of people frolicking through the field because they're so happy they're on a drug. And it doesn't feel like you're trying to sell me anything. I asked you for something scientific and simple and right to the point, And this is it. And that's, that's very much the way that we work. We have a lot of mantras, but one is that there's no I in design. So if, if you're sitting around the table saying, well, I think it should work like X, or I'd like to see, or if it were me, I would, that's fine. But even if you're a member of the target audience, you are an N of one. So what does that target audience as an objective whole want? What are their jobs to be done? What are their pain points? And then what is an ideal future for them? Let's design that. And the story you shared about the feedback from a physician or a physician's mm -hmm. group that said, wow, this is exactly what we want, that's got to be really satisfying because design in general is very subjective. And, yeah, absolutely. And what one person hears or thinks is the solution may be totally different from what another person thinks, and especially if that person's the client. So, yeah. so when you come back with something that's spot on, that's got to be really professionally satisfying. Yeah, and that's, a, that's exactly how I frame it all the time. I mean, design and development are very subjective undertakings. So you have to have a strong process so that you can be confident that you can deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Uh, and we always have, because we've, we've spent a lot of time honing that model and honing that process. And that doesn't mean that you're going to nail it the first time that you put you know an idea out there but it means that there is a process to work through it and get to it and it's really all driven by research i mean that's that's the key to the kingdom and it's kind of common sense but it's very easy for it to get lost in the shuffle and it's also not easy to do well because there's always bias and ego that creeps into these kinds of things and you have to be really good at keeping that at bay Greater Philadelphia is a special place, uh, and the entrepreneurial community, uh, especially in that tech space, is really booming from Wilmington to Camden and other parts of southern New Jersey. Rowan University has some really amazing things happening at their tech center. Um, the suburbs is also booming, but clearly center city Philadelphia and our neighborhoods like Old City and Nerd Street has all this tech space going on. And where I'm going with all this, I know your team is privileged to have offices in Montgomery County and Conshohocken and two sites in the city of Philadelphia. Right. Talk with us a little bit about the, um, the ecosystem that you and your team have been experiencing. And, and frankly, I've had a chance to help shape as well. Sure. So we started in Conshohocken, and it was uh, really just because it was convenient to where a lot of us lived. 
and it was convenient to the clients that we had at the time. Really, we expanded to the city um, chiefly. We had clients in the city, that's for sure, and they were glad to see us uh, come into the city, but it was mainly to attract talent. Um, and absolutely, without question, us opening our first uh, office in the city was when kind of the meteoric rise happened. We were doing well in Kanchi. When we opened an office in the city, that's when it really start really really opened up. And when was that about? Uh, that was 2014. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's so great. you know, it, it's always been kind of organic, slow, smart, steady growth, and that's always been our goal, and it still is. Um, but the hockey stick kind of started in 2014 once we got into the city, and that's when we started. You know, uh, we had one at a couple years prior, but that was when the Philly 100 started and the Inc. 5000, and a lot of the recognition really started at that time. Um, and, you know, so much so that we opened the first Philly office in 2014. Uh, it was full to the brim, and we had to open a second one uh, in January of 2017. What a great problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's exactly it. It was, a, it was a great problem to have. Yeah. Uh, we solved it, and so much so that now, actually, we uh, for a while, we had our whole team move over to the new space, and we kept the first one as kind of like an event space, yeah. an event and meeting space. And now uh, we, are, we are having folks move back into both offices. So pretty soon we're going to have – Two offices filled to the brim in the city, as well as our uh, original office in Kanchi. What do you think it is about Philadelphia and the greater Philadelphia region that seems to attract the type of talent that is driving this creative and innovative um, type of thinkers and makers? I think, you know, it's interesting that I just think there's a vibe in Philly, right? And it's it's the grit. It's the attitude. It's, it's different. Uh, I think... For years, especially in the design space, you know, like New York, L.A., it's kind of obvious. It's kind of been done. And I think there's just a different level of of commitment and grit. And it's just a different kind of person that lives here. And that's certainly what we're seeing. Um, you know, we can compete with, with the New York uh, agencies, even though we don't consider ourselves an agency. Sure. But the New York and L.A. agencies and things like that, we can compete with them every day. And, in fact, often get, get called in to clean up things that they didn't really deliver on because – there's just a different way of thinking down here. I don't know. It's 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 kind of a roll up your sleeves mentality. It's it's less of the big ego trip. It's more let's get this stuff done. Let's do it well. It's a very like craftsman like approach. Uh, again, in our in, in our industry, sure, totally. Um, you know, I I can maybe at a high level talk beyond that, but for us, that's that's how it really feels. You know, there's a there's that kind of attention to detail. It's just a different vibe. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because, and you may know this, the history of Philadelphia is really rooted in this um, in this maker movement, manufacturing, textiles, uh, life sciences. You know, it's not a secret. The city of first, the region of first, with a lot of beginnings, um, and they continue, frankly, with sure. uh, with research that's happening today. So that that kind of mentality seems to be in the DNA of the people who not only have called this home for a long time, but are attracted to come here as yeah. well and and frankly you're part of that you you're a native to long island new york which that's is right. really cool <laughs> that's right. uh, and and i love that because when we attract folks that come to philadelphia and our communities around the region they're bringing with them a different perspective and and very much of a can-do perspective that matches the grit and the authenticity yeah. of those who have been here for for many many years or sometimes their entire lives yeah uh, and and i love that external kind of looking in type of approach that you and others bring. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much opportunity here. The city is so great. There's so many great organizations doing fantastic work. We were talking you know, beforehand about the Economy League and, 
totally. Leadership Philadelphia, and there's the Chamber, and I'm and, and that's you know a small handful of these great organizations that are lifting up you know uh, this whole community and wanting to get in and dig in and find out. Okay, look, let's not just treat symptoms of things that are wrong. Let's let's get in there and figure out you know why do we have the issues we have with say poverty or you know and and how can we address these things? How can we fix them? You know. There's, there are great strides being made. There's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of growth. You can see the buildings. You can, you know, you can see the, the, the companies and the buildings going up, and there's people coming here. So we've got it. We've got the raw material. We just need people to dig in and, you know, and, and stay committed. Yeah, totally. And, and to your point, you can feel that energy. It's yeah, actually absolutely. palatable at times. And, absolutely. And you were referencing before about the talent we have here, but also the talent that we can easily attract here because, um, and we hear this from a lot of folks, there's, a, there's an opportunity here is, is the best way to capture it. An opportunity to establish and grow both professionally and personally in a quality of life that's affordable, that is um, welcoming, and that po- people really want to be part of. And, oh, yeah, and absolutely. To, to your point before about, you know, attracting or competing, if you will, from other regions of, of the country, is it is it hard to um, engage somebody if they are living somewhere else and you say, you know what, we want to hire this person, but they live somewhere else in the world. Is, is there this moment of, where do you want me to move? Yeah, no, that has not been a difficult sell for us, which is really great. Uh, in fact, you know, just before I came here, I, I asked uh, our head of HR, wait, who is this person? I looked them up on LinkedIn, and they're in San Francisco. Are they are they joining us? She said, oh, yeah, she's she's moving to Philadelphia. Said, okay, fantastic. Nice. And that's that's not the first time that's happened. I mean, we, that's happened multiple times. And, and uh, you know, I mean, we have enough of a name now that, that people are finding us all across the country, so it's not just here. Um, but yeah, so it, it hasn't been a hard sell. That's and great. I think that's exactly it. Again, it's it's people with a certain kind of mentality when they learn about the city, they want to be here. I, and, and that's the thing that I say this about our company and I say the same thing about the city. Anybody who who's getting here right now, this is still the ground floor. Like, you know, it doesn't matter that the city's been here as long as it has. It doesn't matter that our company is almost 11 years old. This is still the beginning. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and it really feels like that in Philly. This is the time to get in on the ground floor. More great things to come, that's for sure. Yeah. We're really proud and thrilled at Select Greater Philadelphia, um, not only of this program, Growing Greater Philadelphia, but we have another program in the fall that we want your new colleague to be part of. It's called Welcome to Greater Philadelphia, Okay. where we host a gathering uh, where we connect folks who have recently relocated to our 11-county neighborhood oh, that's great. with those of us who have lived here for a long time to help them get acclimated and feel welcome and, and talk with them about schools and volunteering and the business community and all things that all of us want to know more about mm-hmm. when we uh, choose to live in a new community. Uh, so we can share some of that with you, but yeah, I want to share I want to share that with also our listeners that Welcome to Greater Philadelphia is a really unique program that we host in the fall. Um, it's going to be the fourth year that we've done it, and uh, we want folks to, to be aware of it, and, and we'd love to, to have uh, you and your colleagues join us for that kind of gathering as yeah, well. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. But I want to, Russ, dive into a little bit more of your background. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you find yourself in greater Philadelphia? Yeah, so some of the best advice I ever got in my life was my dad saying, listen, you know, I, if you want any help going to college financially, you will not go on Long Island. Because if you, if you don't leave here, uh, you're, just, you're not going to experience enough for the rest of the world. Long Island's a pretty insular place. He said, you can come back, but you got to go somewhere else. Uh, he was always a big fan of, of PA. He went through the state school system uh, himself. So I went to undergrad at Kutztown. Uh, when I finished up that program, I went right to grad school in Bloomsburg. And then when I was there, there was a company that used to be in uh, University City called Strategic Management Group, and they hired a lot from uh, from that program. 
So uh, they were courting me pretty heavily, and I, I never really thought about Philly, but came down here and visited a couple of times and said, yeah. I mean, even back then in 97, it felt like, yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity here. And I, man, if I, I sometimes I feel like if I came if I came down here and it felt like it does today, it wow. Yeah, it would be a no brainer. Uh, yeah, right. but it yeah. even was then. It yeah, just it totally. felt like, yeah, I want to be here. Yeah, there's, there's opportunity here. So came down, worked at SMG, and really the rest is is history. I mean, been here for 21 years now, um, and I'm not going anywhere. This is where my family is. This is where my future is. This is a great city. This is home. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's home. That's great. Yeah. yeah, Carl, Brian, and Russ. Yeah, back in 2007. How many employees do we have at Think Company today? As of today, there are 88. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yep. That's great growth over a decade, plus or minus. Yeah, it's been pretty wild. This year in particular is uh, is pretty wild. I, I have a feeling, I'm going to predict that we're going to be over 100 by the end of this year. And is there a specific milestone that you look back on and say that that was the trigger? Or is it just uh, organic growth of uh, word of mouth and, and great work that your team is doing that's attracting not only more clients that require more employees, but just this um, trajectory? Yeah, it really has been more of that. And I think that's why in some ways we're a little atypical. I mean, we when we go to these things like the Inc. 5000, there are people who are super psyched because they've had, you know, whatever it is, 250% growth over the last three years. And that's that's fine, but that's not, I don't know, that's that's not as meaningful to us. What's meaningful to us is that it has happened organically. And like we're, we're the size that we are. And uh, because we've done great work, that's really the only reason. And, you know, now, of course, we have to paint a picture of what the future should look like because we have to make decisions against that. Um, and we need some kind of barometer and strategy and, and, and vision. Um, but in general, it's, it's to do more of what we do, which really provides great work, provides great experiences, you know, kind of through the work we do for our clients. You know, it really it does even on a small scale. It makes people's lives better, even if it's small groups of people in different pockets and Again, I, we've created the kind of company we always wanted to work at. So I feel like even just creating a company that has the core values that we have um, is worthwhile because it's created an amazing workplace for 88 people now. We want to do that for more people. And I think doing something like writing down your core values, publishing them, and then holding yourselves against them or you know holding yourselves accountable to them and having everybody else hold you accountable to them too because you publish them um, – it's pretty, I don't know, I feel like it's a great example for how a company can be run. You know, it's funny, when we first published those core values, I had a couple of people kind of say, oh, that's pretty wishy-washy stuff. Why would you do that? Right, Why does that right. matter? And my response was, yeah, number one, it's not wishy-washy. Um, if you put these things out there and publish them, then you're held accountable. And it is 10 times harder to run a company constantly asking yourselves, is this, is this aligned with the core values? However, it is exponentially more rewarding when you do so um you know that that's been important to us that's great and do you think think company could be as successful if it was somewhere else in the country or the world i don't you know philly is so is so much in our dna that it's not a, i've never even asked myself that question because it's it's just kind of not even relevant. We're, I mean, we're a Philly company, and and whether or not we ever have outposts anywhere else, we're we're a Philly company. That's 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 where we came from. That's who we are. It's very much you know, just in our DNA. It's almost like Philadelphia is your 89th employee, right? <laughs> just who you are, right? Always present. 
I, you know, Philadelphia is responsible for so much of our of our success. You, that's interesting when you put it that way, is because I don't know the connections we've made, the relationships we have here. I, I, you, you would have to exist many lifetimes somewhere else for us to to have have had the head start we had here. That's interesting, and I, I just it just popped in my head the um, the analogy of the twelfth man, and you know, it's often referred to in football and certain football teams. Yeah. There's a the fan. Right. Is the twelfth man right. on the field that's helping the Seattle Seahawks or the Philadelphia Eagles? But I think it was the Seahawks that that made that a big deal. But right. um, let me ask you this question, Russ: You're at a conference or a trade show, and you're interacting with your peers and your colleagues in your industry and your area of expertise, and they discover that um, Russ is living and working in Philadelphia. Uh, what do you say to them about why? It's it's a bigger answer than why not. But certainly, I think, you know, anybody who's from Philly, if you're somewhere and anybody questions you, why Philly? I think the first thing you do is your chest kind of puffs yeah, out a right. little bit. Why not? Why not Philly? Um, and I think that's okay. I think there's something to that. So, yeah, the, there's the initial of why not Philly. Philly's as good as any place else. But then I think it is more about, you know, the history here, the vibe here. And I, I keep saying vibe, but that's part of it. I guess you could dissect it into what that is. And when you see the new restaurants that open and when you see the new spaces that, that open, whether they're the shared workspaces or office spaces or whatever it is, I mean, there's, there is something here. And I think if you look at, you know, look at the things that like the Philly Business Journal champions, like the great new offices or the 40 under 40 and, you know, like the things that we care about here. Mm-hmm. And again, the organizations that I've mentioned that are really about elevating. Well, I mean, you know, this this conversation, right? I mean, this this organization is about elevating Philly, about getting the word out, about, you know, getting more people here. Um, I don't know. I mean, you feel like you've got an army behind you in Philly. And I think that's really true. And once you show up here and you hang a shingle here and say, yeah, I'm part of this. I want to be part of this. And especially when, like I said, you kind of get out from behind your ego and your bias, which everybody has, and you say, what needs to get done here and how can I be a part of it? Um, There is a huge network of people ready to embrace you. And I haven't experienced that anywhere else. Absolutely. And I love that perspective that you just shared. And it's true. There's a pride uh, and there's a community here Mm -hmm. that that people want to be part of and they they want to help each other. And and you're right. At Select Greater Philadelphia, our focus is on sharing the assets of our community, talking with folks outside our region, nationally and internationally, about why this is such a great place to establish and grow a business and the cost of living and the quality of life and the transportation infrastructure. And frankly, Russ, it's talking about you and Think Company and the success that organizations like Think Company are able to build here. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you sure. on uh, on our program of Growing Greater Philadelphia. So Russ Stark, CEO of Think Company, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your story. It was really great. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Our Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast is brought to us by many of our investors and partners, including Stradley Ronin. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia, and their more than 200 attorneys represent private and public companies in everything from sophisticated corporate transactions to complex litigation. You can learn more at stradley.com. And by Independence Blue Cross, a leading health insurance company offering health plans from managed care, Medicare, and Medicaid, and they have over 10,000 dedicated employees right here in Greater Philadelphia. You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. 
check out all of our podcasts and be sure to tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. 